you calling him to bring transformation, restoration, renewal. Yep, uh, call on him now that you will have hope, that you would have life. In the name of Jesus, call upon him even now, even now. And as the kids, as the children were, were singing, sometimes when you call on them and you don't see them moving, sometimes you just got to stop. You just got to stop because he's all around and he's already working. He doesn't have to get your permission to touch anything in your life. He's working and he's moving for our good and his glory. Praise God. Let's give our children a hand of a round of applause. And unto the Lord, as we are celebrating our Children's Day, a day in which we give glory unto God for giving us these sweet babies, and how the Lord could use children to declare his praise. And some of us grown folks may learn a little something. Sometimes our mouths get a little tight sometimes. It seems like the older you get, you will understand how much God has blessed you. See, these, these babies, they ain't been in it in a minute. You've been in it in a minute. You can look back over your life, down through the years that God has kept you. And if that don't get you to shout, if that don't get you to praise, and then I don't know what will. Because you know you should have been dead in your grave. You know you was acting a fool that night. You just ain't get caught. You know you know you, you, you when you fell down, you shouldn't have got back up. But it was God's grace and his mercy that kept you and that kept me. Amen. So we, we indeed give praise unto our King Jesus for his amazing grace and kindness towards us. I will not belabor the hour, but let us get ready to dig in into God's word this morning. And if you will turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms 119, the 119th division of Psalms, beginning with verse 9. And if you will stand in honor of the reading of God's word, we have a ongoing series that's kind of off and on entitled Letting the Word Do the Work, because we truly believe that a church submitted to the Word of God, a people submitted to the Word of God will be transformed, even, even, if we, even if we fight it and even if we resist it. When the Word of God impacts our minds and our hearts, we are, we are bound to change, because wherever the Word of God is, it, he brings life, he brings liberty, he brings transformation, and as we see in the text today, when the word of God resides within you, he will keep you from sin. So we are anxiously awaiting God to do his work in us this morning. Psalm 119, we'll be reading verses 9 through 16. This is the word of God. Please hear the word of Christ. How can a young man keep his way pure? 
by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and will not forget your word. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. For this children's day, I like to place a tag upon this text, how to raise children right in a world gone wrong. How to raise children right in a world gone wrong. Let us look to the Lord in prayer this morning. Oh, gracious and eternal Father, how excellent is your name. your word declares that you are omnipresent. You are all around us. You are above us. You are below us. You are on our left hand. You are on our right hand. For in you we live and breathe and have our being. Lord, it is because of your majesty that we even have life today. It is because of your mercy and grace that we can declare praises to you right now, O oh God for you are all around us. Father, had it not been for you hovering upon us as we slept last night, we would not have woke from our sleep. But it was your mercy and grace that allowed us to see this new day. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Father, upon this morning, I ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit in new and fresh ways, dear God. Help us to see you for who you are. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The majestic and holy one who sits on the high. May we adore you and love you. May we lavish you with our praise, not out of duty, but out of devotion. Not because what you've done for us already, but simply because we love you. So, Father, we ask that you will have your way in this worship service, that you will glorify yourself in and through all of the words that the children sing through this sermon that is preached, through the testimonies that are shared. Lord, we do ask you to have your way. May the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' precious and holy name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You know, the text before us this morning, I don't know if you can tell. But this text before us this morning is good news. This rich passage of scripture is good news for us. 
And the reason why this is good news because it reveals that even in the midst of a sea of impurity, where temptation is to sin is everywhere you look around or just a click away, when wickedness and foolishness has become the norm. Now, I'm not talking about those foolish things those other folks was posting. I'm talking about those posts that you were posting. I ain't talking about them. Where evil is now called good and good is now called evil. In a world where corruption has such access and impact on our lives, this word is good news. Have you pondered for a minute, for a moment, consider with me for a moment, sin's proximity to your life and its ability just to reach out and touch you in ways that previously had not been possible. Think about how you went through school and, and you had that classroom bully sinfully picking on you. I remember my bully now. She was tough. But in order to be bullied, they, you had to show up in class and on the playground they would push and pull and talk about you. But, but, but once you left school, you was all right. Now with cyberbullying, it doesn't relent once the bell rings. But even when you go home, Bullies are chasing you. Or even think about the per pervasiveness of pornography, where at one time it, there was these seedy uh, establishments that's, that, that, that people would go to hiding their face in trench coats in, in order to step in to partake of the, the sinful uh, uh, pleasures behind that door. And as time changed, you would just go to the video store and bring it home. But now it's just in our pocket. And as a matter of fact, it's not just in our pocket. It's on television commercials. It's pervasive. And it's impacting our children where they, they not only partake of pornography, but they produce pornography through sexting. Consider the sin that touches your life just when someone shares a post, a pic, or a tweet. Sin is so close to us. It's not out there, but it's, it's near and it's present daily. There's no escaping sin. And in, a, in an attempt to answer the question how to raise our children in this society, in this chaotic and crazy world, some would suggest that we must look to education. We just need to educate everyone. And through the teaching and through books that somehow, some way, things would get better. Education is good, but it's not enough. Some will say, we just need to raise our self-esteem. We need to love ourselves more. And, and that will cause people to have a pride in themselves, and they wouldn't be so violent. But, beloved, may I suggest that the reason why we have so much foolishness is because we love ourselves too much. Some would suggest that we need to look to government in order to legislate and mandate fixes. Where do we look in order to help us? See, the, the questions of how to raise children right in a world gone wrong is not a 21st century question. This is a question that the psalmist is answering himself. 
The psalmist has many of the same concerns that we have. Now, where would I send my child to school? What friends should my child hang with? What should they look at? What should they watch? The psalmist is dealing with all of that. But the psalmist is not looking to education for his final answer to how he should raise his child. The psalmist is not looking towards the government for his final answer as to how to raise his child. But no, this, this psalmist finds his final answer by not looking to man, but looking to God. This text is good news because it reminds us that you can be faithful and live in this world at the same time. Your children don't have to go off and go buck wild before they come back to the church. You don't have to be sinfully anxious about the decisions that you need to make today that's going to impact tomorrow. The psalmist lets us know that there is a way to remain pure as you go through life. Because even though things have changed, we know that God remains the same. And his word remains the same. I suggest for us this morning that because sin is so widespread, you must look to the word of God to keep your way pure. For the sake of today's celebration, we must look to Jesus in order to raise our children and ourselves in a world gone wild. So this morning, I would like for us to look at three things that we must do to raise children right in a world gone wrong. The first of these begins in verse 9, and we need, in order to raise children right in a world gone wrong, that means we must be on guard. The psalmist begins, verse 9, uh, as if he's pontificating to a group of his friends. And he asks the question, how can a young man keep his way pure? He's talking to his homeboys, his friends, and he's, and he's talking about the craziness of the world. You know how you go to work and you have those conversations. You talk about, man, we got a president that encourages police brutality. What is going on? How can I raise my child in this crazy world? Look at the education systems, and this side of town is, 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 uh, have unfair things, and it's unjust, and there's inequity, and so what should I do? And, and look, at these, look at these girls, what they got on, these boys, they just and pontificating. How can a young man keep his way pure in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of Instagram and Netflix and Hulu? Wi-Fi, how can a young man keep his way pure? But even though he asked the question, the psalmist answers the question in the same breath. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. What he's saying is, is be on guard. The way that we are able to live and stand and, and, and have lives that aren't tainted or corrupted so much by sin is to guard ourselves according to God's word. This is how we do it. And so he, he's saying, be on guard. One author puts it this way. He says, guarding one's ways would mean to protect or safeguard it from all sinfulness and impurity. 
the, the psalmist is saying, how can, how can a young man keep this way pure? The young man being someone who is immature, someone who is learning, someone who is growing up. So really, that's not just for children. That's us too. How can a person who is growing that doesn't know too much keep their way? The way here, it stands for the way of life, all of life. How can, how can you keep your life clean in the midst of filthiness? That's the question. And the answers to be on guard. To be on guard suggests that there is a, a soldier who is standing at watch, looking out over to see what threats and what enemies and what dangers are coming their way, ready to signal the, the horn, to, to ring the bell, to light the torch, to say, Danger is coming. If we're going to be on guard, beloved, we're going to have to wake up and act like we care and pay attention to what's going on in our lives, to what's going on in our children's lives. Someone has to ring the bell and say, no, you can't watch that. No, you can't go there. No, you can't wear that. I know everybody else is doing it, but, but you can't because I'm on guard. At some point, someone has to stand up and say, wrong is wrong, and right is right. But not only does it say be on guard, you can't be on guard unless you got the right weapon. And he says by guarding it according to your word. This, this word it's, it's, it's not in reference to the speech, but this word, he's talking about God's law, the Torah. He's talking about the, the commandments and all that at this time makes up scripture. Everything that you need to be on guard, you, you need to look through it with the, through the lens of scripture. You take God's word and you apply it to the situation. You can't be on guard with a self-help book. You can't be on guard with the latest New York Times thriller. You can't be on guard with the foolish advice of some of y'all friends. You know what I'm talking about. You talking about, well, I believe the Lord is leading me this way. Oh, forget that. Let's just go here. You can't be on guard with the wrong weapons. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 reminds us of the warfare that we're in and what type of weapons we need to have. Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 10, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He's talking about being prepared, being on guard. What does he say? He says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Saying that if you ain't ready, you ain't ready. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the... The cosmic powers over this present dark darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. You ain't fighting folks who fight fair. You can't reach out and touch Satan. You can't put him in a headlock or a stranglehold. So how are you going to fight him? He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all 
to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having all put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation. And then finally, he gets to the weapon of the person who needs to be on guard and he says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You can't be on guard with the wrong weapons in your pocket. The word of God provides that objective truth in a subjective world. What are you talking about? Everybody has their own truth. Everybody wants to make up, but this is how you're supposed to do that. And, and, and with the uh, invention of laws, everyone is a news expert. And you're going to get different perspectives and different opinions and different worldviews. If you, if, if you have a hard time making up your mind, get off the Internet and open up the Word of God because that is an objective standard of truth. It doesn't sway depending on who's in office. It doesn't, it doesn't sway depending on who's in charge. Uh, God's word is the same yesterday and today and forevermore because our God is immutable. He doesn't change. You may change and the politics may change, but God doesn't change. We need objective truth in this world. This word that the psalmist was, is referring to, he, he's saying, I'm going to listen to what God says versus what they say. You know they. Them. You know how I like to listen to they? Well, they said, and they said, uh, pundits and, and commentators giving their spin and perspective, but don't they know that God wrote the book. He knows it from the beginning to the end, the end to the beginning, the middle to the front and back. God knows what's going on, and, and we have to stop acting like we know what's going on and, and stop looking for a word from you and look for a word from on high. God wants to speak to us, and if we are not submitting ourselves to God's word, we'll never have a way to stand guard and keep our life pure. He says, how can the young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. He is on guard and when a threat shows themselves, he pulls out the word of God and begins to cut them down. He begins to cut through the lies. When Satan wants to tell you all, oh, you ain't nothing. Oh, you just a dirty sinner. Uh, you'll never be any good. Don't nobody love you. And you take the word of God and Psalm 139 and jump out and say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm a creation of the most high God. And if God took time to make me, then I know I am somebody. Not because I can perform. Not because I can act. But because I'm created in his image. I cut it down with the word of God. So the word cuts them. But then Hebrews 4 and 12 says the word cuts us. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word cuts them, but the word cuts us. And this word according, what, what, 
what, what it means is it, he, the word is conforming him to what God wants him to be. I, I, I'm not conforming to what the world wants. Romans 12 and 2, do not be conformed to the world. Don't, don't look like everybody else. Don't just talk like everybody else. Don't just do what everybody else is doing. Don't be conformed to the world. He says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the renewal process takes place when you start feeding on the word of God. So the sword begins to cut out, but it cuts in. And it begins to shape us like clay. Nate and I, we, we like knives. We, we got our little knives. Took mine out of my pocket before I preached, but he got his in his pocket. I ain't want y'all to think I was going to cut nobody, but we go in the back and we grab sticks and we whittle. He always whittling something. And he's, he's shaping it. He, he has in his mind what, what he want to get to. It, it, he, he started with this raw stick with bark on it and, and it's dead and it's of no use. And then he has an image of what he wants it to be so he can use it. So he begins to take his knife and, and to cut away at it. He, he scrapes off the bark and he begins to put a point on it. And he begins to, to make it smooth and fall it away to the point where this once dead object now has purpose in life. Beloved, God wants to take the sword of, uh, of the word and begin to cut you and uh, get rid of that dead bark and give you a point and give you a purpose because God wants to use you for his perfect will. So it's cutting us too. Verse 9 ultimately tells us that when we guard ourselves according to God's word, our children will learn obedience. If we can obey God's word, our children can obey God's word. But you know what the problem is? We don't obey God's word, so our children don't obey God's word. See, when it comes to life, you can't, you can't give them that, that old adage, uh, do what I say, not as I do. Because the child learns by looking. And if a child is looking at your life and your, your life is foul and your mouth is foul, don't look at them as you say, where you get that from? Yeah, I've been listening to you, mama, and I've been listening to you, daddy, and I, and I watch what y'all do. That's where I get it from. I didn't get it from school. I didn't bring it home. It's already in my home. So sometimes if we want our children to learn obedience, we got to start guarding our own lives according to the word of God. Raising children right in a world gone wrong means we must be on guard. And as we stand guard, watching our lives and watching our children's lives, the psalmist wants us to know that it's easier to be on guard when you stay close to home. Because the word of God provides safety. Verse 10, and he says, with my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. He's pointing to his own heart. The heart. In scripture, the heart is always the center of your will. It's a place where emotion and intellect collide. The reason why you do what you do, 
and say what you say is because it comes out of your heart. It's the middle of you. It's who you are. So the psalmist is saying with the center of his being, he wants to seek after God through his word. He wants to know more of God with his whole heart. But the question is not so much what he's seeking as why he's seeking. Why is he seeking God with his whole heart? Beloved, he is seeking God with his whole, whole heart because whomever has your heart has your attention. Whoever has your heart leads your way. You trying to, you, you at home and your grandson, granddaughter come introduce you to, to somebody. You looking at him, you looking at her, you like, why are they here at my house? And you be like, how did y'all even meet? And uh, what, what is going on in this relationship? You're trying to figure out what happened. But what happened is that person has their heart. No matter how bad they are for them, they have their heart. And that's how wandering starts. Something other than the word of God begins to grab your heart. No matter how big or how small, it begins to grab your heart. It's like that child walking through the store with their parent, and, and they're walking through that toy store, and they see something that they want. They see something shiny, something cute that they've always wanted, and they're walking hand in hand with their with their parent, but they see the object, and all of a the sudden, their grip on their, their, their father's or their mother's hand begins to go limp, and they begin to reach out towards the toy, and instead of following their mother or following their father, they begin to move towards this toy, because it's what's interesting, it's what's What's what they like, and now this toy has their heart. All the while, they're in a, a crowded store, and now all the people have dispersed among the store. And as the child looks back to find their mother or father, they don't see them because they're lost now. Have you ever been separated from your parents in a large crowd? How scary is that? Have you ever thought you lost your child? How scary is that? We won't report you. You know, I remember one time shopping for clothes, and it was just Nate and I, and I was picking out some clothes, and I looked up, and I was like, where'd he go? He was little. I'm like, like Nate, where, where, where'd you go? So immediately, my mind thinks the worst. So I, I go to the front door because I'm like, if anybody got my boy, he's going to have to go through me. I'm at the front door just waiting like I wish he would. Then I see this little head bobbing. And I go over to Nate. And I said, Nate, what's going on? you can't do that. You can't wander off because somebody might take you. Beloved, understand, when you begin to wander off from the word of God, sin will take you. Sin will get you. Sin will take you places that you never thought you would go. You, you, used, you used to say, I would never, and now you are. You used to say, look at them, now they're saying, look at me. Sin will take you into places you never thought you would have been, all because you started to wander off from the word of God. The psalmist is like, Lord, May it never be. May sin never take.
to instruction. They wander from God's commandments. Proverbs 19, 27 says, Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Act like you know it all, and you will fall into sin. Act like can't nobody tell you nothing, and you will fall into sin. Because if you are not listening, then you can't hear God's word being spoken by those who love you, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're trying to win you over and say, don't go that way. Don't turn that way. Don't touch that, but come near. And we're like, no, nah, I'm grown. I'm grown. If you, have, if, you, if you have to tell people you're grown, you ain't grown. See, but you know what's even worse? To wander from the commandments is to wander from This is not a matter of duty. This is devotion. John 14, 15 says, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my what? High. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my what? So if we are not staying near God's commandments, then we don't love Jesus. Wandering away from God's commandments is more about your love for Jesus than anything else. You can't love Jesus without knowing his word. If you don't know God's word, I would argue, and it, yes, it is a bold statement, but I will argue that you don't love Jesus. You just do church. You like religion. You like how it makes you feel. You like your reputation. You like how everybody thinks you are all that. But God knows that in your heart of hearts that you are all showing no substance. Because if the word ain't in you, you're empty. Beloved, who has your heart? Does Jesus have your heart? Does pleasure have your heart? Does TV have your heart? Do Facebook have your heart? Do Instagram, Snapchat have your heart? Who has your heart? Whoever has your heart has your time. You work all day long, not because you like the job, because money got your heart. Have you wandered from God's word even today? But when we stay near God's commandments and keep from wandering, our children will learn faithfulness. Because when they see you being faithful and diligent in your word, when they see you showing up Sunday after Sunday, community group after community group, when they see you praying, or when, they, when your children see you on your knees, they understand that worship is, is more than just on Sunday. They see it as a lifestyle and not just something you talk about. They, they, they are able to marry what your lips say and what your life say. Raising children right in a world gone wrong means we must not wander. But lastly, raising children right in a world gone wrong means we must fill up in order not to mess up. In verse 11, the psalmist reminds us that right living is all about proximity. 
Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This phrase, stored up, it means to treasure. In the King James, I have hid thy word in my heart. What does that even mean? What what they're talking about is before banks, before they had all that to to, to keep your valuables and your treasures, you you would find a spot in your backyard and you would dig a hole and you would take everything that you treasure, everything that was valuable, and you would hide it away, all your treasures, and you would put the dirt on top of it so no one could steal your treasures. This is what Jesus is talking about in that parable where he says uh, that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that was hidden in a field, and a man went and sold everything and came back because the, the kingdom of heaven was that treasure hidden, something valuable. So what he's saying is the word of God is so valuable. Hide it in your heart. Place it deep down within so no one can steal it away from you. Like the ant in Proverbs 6. I like the ant in Proverbs 6. He says, go to the ant, O slugger. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in the harvest. The ant gathers in the summer in preparation for winter. In your life, we come across a lot of winters. Winters are barrenness, times of barrenness, times of lifelessness. Things don't seem to be living. And it's in those winter times of your life where sin will get a hold of you. You remember our acronym, HALT? Sin is most likely to get you when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, and when you're tired. Sin is most likely to get you in those instances, and those are the instances of winter in your life. And if you have not already stored up on God's word, you're going to fall into sin. So what we do is we begin to fight external temptation the way that Jesus fought external temptation. When Satan comes up to him in Matthew 4 and begins to tempt him to to lead him astray, every rebuttal that Jesus had, it wasn't, uh, I don't believe what you say. It wasn't, that ain't what they said. It's the, the word of God says, thus saith the Lord. And he's able to withstand Satan's attack. See, uh, uh, we can't stand Satan's attacks because we don't know God's word. People acting a fool on Facebook and you, and you just want to go off. It's, why are you going off on Facebook? Have, have you ever won an argument on Facebook? What, have you ever changed someone's mind on Facebook? No. You stop. The word of God begins to talk about your speech and how your speech will be seasoned with salt and, and, and uh, that which edifies, that it, which is appropriate at that moment. That ain't appropriate. But if you don't got God's word in you, you don't know what to do. You just go off. So we're fighting sin all the time as it comes up against us with the word of God. Not with our strength, not with our might. We're weak. We're, every one of us, we're weak. 
But our greatest fight is a different enemy. Because we fill up on the word of God to fight our internal temptation. Mark 7, Mark the 7th chapter, beginning with verse 14, Jesus is speaking and he says, And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going in him can't defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable, and he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean, but here's the key. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. How can a young man keep his ways pure? For from within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, Deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Verse 23, Jesus said, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. You so busy fighting everybody outside, you ain't fighting the devil within. So they don't change, and guess what? You don't change. God's word acts as a deterrent to sin. Because God's word, he he defines and he reveals sin. We have these huge blind spots and we we think we get it right and we think we know everything and we think we we can handle our own business, but then the word of God exposes us for the frauds that we are, every one of us. And he shows us our sin. And then it's like a a, a fire retardant. He, He takes the word and begins to smash down sexual immorality, and he smashes down pride and anger and idolatry, and he smashes it with his word. So so instead of of foolishness coming out your mouth, the word of God begins to come out your mouth. Proverbs 2, 10 through 12 says, For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil from men of perverted speech. If the word of God is not in us, we have no hope. You wondering why you keep falling into sin? Do you have a scripture that you can stand on when that sin and temptation comes? It was so many times this week that had not I had the word of God in me, I would have went astray. Every single day, you're faced with situation and circumstance that the word of God speaks to, and you're trying to figure it out. But God has already has said, I've already got it figured out. Just listen to me. But if the word of God is not in us, we don't know what to do. You know, the word of God must determine our actions if we are to keep our way pure. That means the word of God actually has a say on what you do. 
The word of God must determine our thoughts if we are to keep our way pure. God tells us what we're supposed to be thinking. The word of God must determine our emotions. If we are to keep our way pure, God needs to let us know how we feel about that situation. Don't react because everybody else reacting. You react because God says react. But beloved, when we fill up on God's word, our children will see transformation. That's what our children need to see. That's how they go right in a world gone wrong. They need to see a transformed life by the word of God. But our children, don't, they don't see the power of God because there's no power in you. And if God's word is, is, is not in you, they will never see his power. They're like, oh, they go to church all the time. It's a big deal. They come home, still cuss me out. So what do we do? What do we do? Start doing this thing with my own children. We, we said we're going to eat some M&M's. So after we have dinner, we begin to eat M&M's. But they're not really M&M's. We, we have a time where we meditate and memorize scripture. And we begin to take a scripture. Our, our scripture just this past week was 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says, whatever you do, give thanks. To God, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In all circumstances, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Why do I come up with that? I came up with that because on our way back from Michigan, we had to come through Cincinnati. That bridge got like one lane, and everybody trying to use it at the same time. We was making great time. So we come and, and we hit, and we in line. We in line for about it had to be almost an hour. Then all of a sudden, somebody got to go to the bathroom. Can you hold it? Mm -mm, can't hold it. I had no clue how much longer it was going to be. So, so I get off, and I go up the exit. I'm going to be slick. I'm going to try to find some gas station. I reroute on the GPS, and GPS say go left, go left, go left. I get on the freeway going the opposite way. And I look like there's all the cars. I was just right. Oh. We find the exit, we use the bathroom, and the kids are like, Daddy, and, and my wife is like, no, don't talk to Daddy right now. It's okay, but the TV broke, we, we'll fix it. And it was like the next day, and I was just, I was in, in devotion, and the Lord just brought that back to me, and, and but he brought that verse to me, he said, you know what, it doesn't matter if you were stuck in traffic 10 hours, I said, in all things. In all circumstances, give thanks. Why? Because it'll make you a better person? Why? Because everyone will love you? No, he said, because this is my will. I just want you to give thanks. Just because. Give thanks that you made it home. Give thanks that you have four children. That gotta be. Because they have some medical condition that they can't be. Give thanks because you got extra time with your family. Give thanks because you're able to give glory and praise to me. Had not God's word been in my heart, I 
never figured that out. Would have been bitter. That's why we so bitter. Why are we so angry and bitter? Angry at why? Why? Because the word of God is not in us, cutting and destroying and breaking down strongholds and yoke. And the word of God is not in us saying, get over yourself. You ain't nobody. You just like everybody else. You sin too. You ain't do that sin, but you did other sin. And the word of God reminds us that we're all equal at the foot of the cross. One by one, you meditate and you memorize scripture and it's like brick by brick. You begin to build a wall against sin. And sins that used to get in don't get in like they used to. Brick by brick, verse by verse, you begin to wall off yourself and now you got a wall to guard by the word of God. So I just want to challenge us as we close right now as a congregation. I want us to relinquish any form of Christless Christianity. Remember, we don't love Jesus if we don't know his commandments. If we don't keep his commandments, we need to know his commandments. My challenge is that we would begin memorizing one scripture a week. Just one scripture a week. You may not know any scripture now, but at the end of 52 weeks, you got 52 bricks. That's going to keep out more than 52 sins. On your way out, we printed off a, a sheet of scriptures to take with you. That it, It's just random, but you can put together your own. I, I would suggest you put together your own set because you know what you struggle with most. But then also, I I want to challenge you to take up an entertainment challenge. Because we want to be putting in us the word and not filth, not foolishness. And when people always ask me, what can I listen to? What, what should I watch? I, I don't like getting into specifics because we got different times and you know, older people be like, oh, that's trash now. And young people are like, oh, that's old now. They was just talking about the same thing. But I don't get into that, but I point people to Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So when you're listening to the radio, is it lovely? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it commendable? Okay, okay, is it commendable? Can I invite pastor over to my house and watch this with him? Can I commend it to my pastor? I tell the, the kids all the time, they come in with their headphones. I'll be like, let me listen to that. No, you can't listen to that. Well, I can't listen to it. You can listen to it. Commendable. He says, think about these things. I want to leave you with this. In 1976, there was this made-for-TV movie called The Boy in the bubble. And it was about a young man named David Vetter, I believe, and he was born with this rare genetic disease that caused his immune system to be severely weakened and any contact with 
uh, not not even a virus, just the air. He would he would get sick and he would die. So they caught this at her, uh, when he was born, and, and they just they they literally put him in a bubble. It's like an incubator. He he did all of life in this bubble. They put furniture and 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 and, and food in this bubble for him to partake of. But before that, he could have anything. It would have to be methodically, meticulously sterilized, washed, and scrubbed. And it would need to sit for a number of days even before he could touch it because any type of, 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 of infection, uh, any type of air would, would kill him. I can only imagine the pains that his parents had to go to to make sure that their baby boy was not Did not catch a disease because of their forgetfulness, because of their lack of meticulous planning. And I use that situation not to make light of the situation or the family, but I use that situation to illustrate the spiritual realities that we find ourselves in. Because when we were born, too, we were born with a immune deficiency uh, syndrome, but uh, however, spiritually, not physically. We were born into sin. The Bible tells us that we were brought forth, shaping in iniquity, and sin conceived us. We were born sinners and thus susceptible to the infection, infestation, and devastation of sin. But however, God, being merciful, he sends Jesus Christ who lived the life that we could not live, and he died the death that we deserve, and in the shedding of his blood, God takes the blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus, the holy blood of Jesus, that blood that can sterilize any sin, and he begins to take that and apply it to our lives and scrub the sin away, and he begins to make us new and to make us whole, and he gives us a sterile environment to live, and one day we look forward to when we can get up out this bubble and we can go be with him face to face, and I ain't got to worry about sterilization or infestation or disease. I can come out my bubble and breathe the air of glory and say hallelujah to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who is and is to be. But we must look to Jesus. How can we raise children in a world gone wrong? We must be on guard. We must not wander. And we must fill up in order not to mess up. Raise children right by teaching them to love Jesus, by pointing them to his word. You may be here today and you are wandering. Grew up in the church, you have some type of influence. You would say that there is a God, but you can't know God for sure may have some church hurt or whatever, but you're wandering and you're not near the commandments of God, I, I beg you today to look to Jesus. Look to the one who does no harm, but he only helps. Look to the one who lifts up and doesn't tear down. Look to the one who, who is willing and able to save you and love you in spite of your sin and yourself, because in the face of Jesus, there is no fear. In the face of Jesus, there is no guilt. In the face of Jesus, there is no shame. Because Jesus, because in the face of Jesus, he just wants you to show up as you are. 
We don't have to hide anything from Jesus. He just says, show up as you are. And I'm not going to change you from the outside in. I'm going to change you from the inside out. You can't do it, but I can. We need to look to Jesus by turning from our sin. By saying, Lord, I'm sorry for, for living my own life. I'm sorry for wandering. I'm sorry for thinking I have all the answers. Would you please forgive me? Would you please say, would you please fill me with your Holy Spirit that I would have a desire to read your word and fill up on you? We just merely call out to him. You may be here and you love and trust Jesus, but you know you ain't been on it. But I say to you, Romans 8, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You get down on your knees, you confess your sin, you ask the Lord for forgiveness, but you ask him for strength to do what you're supposed to do. You ask him, Lord, yeah, you, you know it's hard for me to memorize stuff and, and learn stuff. Well, y'all know them numbers, but Lord, help me. Help me to memorize this. I'm struggling with this issue and I, I don't have any way of fighting it. Give me your word so I can fight. Humble, your, humble yourself and pray. You may be here and you're in a season where things are well. You're memorizing scripture. You're teaching your children. I say remain faithful and encourage somebody else. Don't be a stumbling block. Don't boast and you boast that Jesus chose to use you to be a, a leader in your home. Whatever it may be, Jesus is ready, willing, and able to meet and fill that need. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. I beg that you would apply your word to our hearts today. That we would raise our children and raise ourselves according to your word. How can we keep our way pure? Praise God that we can guard it according to your word. Father, indeed, I ask that you would transform us, give us a heart for you, give us a new love for Jesus, and may we encourage one another unto good works. We love you, we thank you, in Jesus' precious name.